This is Toledo Symphony Lab, a behind-the-scenes look at the world of classical music from WGTE Public Media and your Toledo Symphony. I'm Brad Cresswell. Joining me today are the Toledo Symphony's president and CEO, Zach Vassar, also principal second violin and artistic administrator, Merwin Sue. And today we have two special guests, Douglas Tappan, who is the composer of the opera I Dream, which premieres at Toledo Opera this weekend. We also have the orchestrator and musical director of that production, Carl Marsh, here in the studio with us. Welcome, gentlemen. Thanks for joining us today. Good morning. Hello. So the subject of our discussion this afternoon is the opera I Dream. It is opening at Toledo Opera this Friday, April 6th at 7.30 p.m. Also performances on Saturday and Sunday. Saturday evening is 7.30 p.m. Sunday afternoon is at 2 o'clock p.m. That is at the Valentine Theater. 419-255-SING is the number. That's 419-255-7464. Or go online to ToledoOpera.org. So, for anybody who does not know uh, the opera I Dream, based on the final hours in the life of uh, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., Douglas Tappan, we talked about this actually a, a few weeks ago at the uh, library, and that was the first day of rehearsals for you, I remember. G- tell us a little bit first about I Dream, what it's about. Give us the, the sort of the, the nutshell explanation of it for anybody who's listening who, who still hasn't been exposed to what's going on. Um. It covers about 28 years of history between 1941 and um, 1969 um, and, and is based on the life of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And as you said, it, it's, it's, its framing is the last 36 hours of his life. And so in the prologue at the start of the piece, he, he wakes up on the morning of the 3rd of April 1968 um, and 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 through a series of dreams, reminiscences, and premonitions, he he he, he remembers aspects of his his childhood, meeting Coretta in uh, Boston, um, the beginnings of the civil rights movement in uh, 1955 in Montgomery, and then other aspects of the civil rights movement, um, in touching on Birmingham, um, Selma, and all the way back up to the the fourth of April, 1968. It's a fascinating concept that you came up with and touching on all of these different aspects uh, of the life and the message uh, of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Can you tell us how you came to write this piece or how the idea came to you and and how long you spent working on it? Um, I grew up in the UK um, as someone who who was very familiar with this from a distance Um, Mm -hmm. and it wasn't until coming to Atlanta in in 2004 that, 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 that that this the story moved me more than being something that was purely historical um if you live in atlanta you regularly meet people who have in some way or other participated in the civil rights movement either family members or or people who knew dr king who had marched with him or or some other close familiarity and it was uh, their stories and then the research that i began to do uh that that has felt like uh an extreme academic discipline and dissertation mm. um, because I, I had to prepare a bibliography for someone once and there were like 80, 80 different things on it listed out mm. um, journals, books, uh, historical articles, that type of thing. Um, uh, but it was, it was, I suppose, soaking all that in that, that gave me the sense that this was a story that I was meant to write um, and, 
and and that rhythm and blues opera eventually became the way that that, that made the most sense to set it. Yeah, it should be said that um, you wrote the libretto as well, for yes. folks who don't know, as well as the music. Yes. And it's interesting when you talk about the dissertation or the sort of analytical side that you brought to it, because people may or may not know that you were a barrister or yes. a lawyer. Technically, yes. technically still am. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> if, if I went back to the so UK watch and, what you uh, say. and got a practicing certificate again, I, I technically yeah. you know, put the wig and gown on and go back to court. What was your... <laughs> <laughs> you know, I tried that for a traffic ticket. It didn't work. <laughs> All right. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, maybe I'll, I'll bring you along next time and we can show up in force. Only if you, you want to go to jail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, uh, what, what kind of law did you, did you study? Um, okay. I, I started off studying the, the rather broad area of contract. Um, I, I had a, 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 after qualifying, you you do something that that's like an apprenticeship, but a professional apprenticeship, and it's called a pupilage, and you have a pupil master um, for oh. for a, a period of a year. It's and, kind and of like being a Jedi Knight, right? S- somewhat, but without the levitation and the and the and the, the lightsabers. As far as we know. but otherwise the same. But otherwise the same. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, still, we still have about twenty minutes. So. We, we had, yeah. um, but 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 he shocked me because there's a practitioner's book called Chitty on Contracts, and that pretty much covers everything that is contractual. Yeah. And so that will cover everything from banking contracts to employment contracts to entertainment contracts, and that's what he did. If it was a contract, he did. So I started there, but then then figured that wasn't a whole lot of fun because yeah. every day you were dealing with something different. But it but it, it it was it was all about precision and weirdly in a way that that translates into into writing scripts and librettos, um, uh, punctuation and grammar and words absolutely matter. Well, it's interesting thinking of uh, your experience as a lawyer preparing contracts and having to come up with you know succinct language that covers a, a lot of things with. I don't want to say as few words because, as we know, there are a lot of words in the contracts. There are, but that that experience must have played somehow into your assembling this libretto, right? Because if you're the composer and the librettist, I mean, what kind of a conversation were you having with yourself putting this together? Um, for, for me, it always begins with the story, mm-hmm. um, and and the libretto arises out of the story, and the music arises somewhere in the midst of that process. And so, it, you're right; it is a it is a conversation with yourself and 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 i find myself wrestling over word choices and uh, and and rhyming choices and and story ideas and structure the whole yeah. time um but but that's that's why this is such a collaborative process beyond that because it's not it's not unusual for there to be a librettist and a composer or in the world of musical theater for there to be a book writer a lyricist and a, and a, uh, a composer Right, um, uh, and so working with I've worked with dramaturges and, and worked with Carl, who's who's here also, um, as as an orchestrator to as part of the process of of, of creating this. Well, I want to bring Carl into the discussion, but before we do that, why don't we listen to a, a piece of music? I have four different cuts here from uh, the opera. Now, this is a concept recording, right? This is what done in was done in Washington. Uh, no, the, uh, this, this this was recording in in Atlanta, oh, in Atlanta um, right. at the end of of the creative process. So, following the third of three readings in New York, um, it, it made sense to go to a studio, and it was about three months or so, um, and over that period to, to record this. But it's substantially a, a rhythm section, so it's not the way it's going to sound mm. um, here in Toledo. But but this will give you a sense. It gives of, you a of taste. It. Yeah. Okay. Music and words by Douglas Tappan. 
This valley of despair Where there's no hope So it may seem I dream I dream all heaven's children White and black Will live in peace Learn to value unity Mercy will increase Beyond this tribulation Meant to silence me Or make my voice mainstream I dream I dream of a better day than this I dream of a wave of freedom Nothing can resist And that wave will wash all and pain of this bitter day away wash it all away I dream this blessed nation might fulfill its founding creed that all men are born equal with a fair chance to succeed diversity and harmony and rhythm singing freedom's glorious theme than this I dream of a wave of freedom nothing can resist till the day justice rolls like water and love flows like a mighty stream I will sing let freedom What do you do after that? I mean, it just knocks your socks off. Uh, Douglas Tappan, we'd heard a, a cut there, the title track from his opera, I Dream. Yeah, uh, you can write a tune. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking with Douglas Tappan, who is the composer of the opera, I Dream, based on the life, the message of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. We also have the orchestrator and musical director of the production, Carl Marsh, with us. The opera opens on Friday, April 6th at 7.30 p.m., also Saturday, April 7th at 7.30 p.m., Sunday, April 8th in the afternoon at 2 o'clock p.m. It's at the Valentine Theater. You can find more information at ToledoOpera.org 
or at 419-255-SING. That's 7464. Well, let's bring uh, Carl Marsh into the conversation. We heard, uh, Carl, that version there for a rhythm section with the singer. Describe for us the the process of of how it goes from Douglas to you to orchestrate it, turn it into this operatic version which is being premiered. Well, it's it's uh, there's a lot of um, uh, back and forth, yeah, uh, discussion going on. But it it all starts with Douglas giving me a piano version of uh, of uh, the section that mm-hmm. we're that we're targeting for the orchestration, uh, a piano version with uh, the libretto and with the, the lyric and with the melody, and and. From that point onward, we discuss style. We discuss uh, anything that we need to about uh, 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 any bullet points as far as uh, emotional uh, moments in, yeah. the, in, in, that, uh, in that particular segment. And uh, then I uh, go into my lab and uh, start scribbling <laughs> away and, and coming up with ideas. Yeah. And uh, I make uh, for Douglas uh, what is called a maquette, which is uh, a model of what it would sound like if it were... You do that through a computer or through a program? Yes. And uh, although I still write my scores by hand... Wow, uh, you're, you're you're in a small <laughs> group of people who still that's, do that. That's right. I, 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 that's that's another whole uh, discussion there. Yeah. Uh, but um, the the maquette uh, I send to Douglas, mm-hmm. and then we talk about that. And if there are any changes that need to be made to the maquette, then we make those. And and sometimes we go back and forth. You know, yeah. Has, has he been? Has he been fairly easy to work with? Yes. <laughs> Never. Never. <laughs> you have a contract attorney at the table. Uh, yeah. Of course, it's going to be yes, Brad. Yes. <laughs> I, I try. I try to be. Yeah. I, I try to be all the time, and I hope I am. And the thing is that that. Often, as has been the case here, the time pressure is so incredible right. that, yeah. that, that, that it's a, a mix for me of wanting to comment in a way that is helpful and, and, and helps to, it to be right, but sure, not, it, not wanting to hold the process up. Right, well. right, right, right. And it's really interesting because there's some very deliberately chosen, very, very evocative instrumentation choices. So do you walk in there, Douglas, with this sense, I really want this counter melody to be oboe solo? Like this, because there, there's there's some really noted ob- like. Or do you want? I, I definitely this has to be saxophones. It can't. I, it can't you, know, be, what, you know, let me just put it out there. And what yeah. it sounds like to me is you're you, Douglas. You are telling Carl the kind of emotion you want to create in this <laughs> moment, and then Carl's job is to find the right instruments to express yeah, that emotion. Yeah, I, I think that's fair part, because yeah. because I know when I hear it. And in fact, <laughs> the other day I was sitting at the piano in the rehearsal hall playing one of the piano parts, and, yeah. and I realized that it was. <laughs> Carl's trying to preserve exactly what, what I played in mm-hmm. in the piano or wrote in piano in the first place. Um, but yeah, absolutely, the coloring of it is 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 open for interpretation, and we we do go back and forth on things. And yeah. but, but sometimes, 
yeah. you know i i played oboe and i love i love the sound of an oboe mm-hmm. and i love the sound of a cello which i should have played but i preferred to play soccer um, <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait you can't do both cello and soccer well it's really tough to kick the ball well, the cello gets in the way yeah, yeah. Or, or when you're playing the cello your foot keeps twitching you know that's right i was i was i was seven and and, and one of my school teachers offered to teach me um but but it would have soccer been soccer or cello uh, cello <laughs> yeah she she couldn't kick a ball um but she, she she was a cellist and offered to teach me if i would forgo lunch breaks for the next four years oh no and, okay so this was <laughs> no, no. This, this, this was not a choice between it soccer and cello it was well, a choice between eating and cello and friends and friends yeah. <laughs> so, well, go ahead Zach. i was just going to ask a question to merwin here so sure. you know, we've spoken on this program before the idea that um new commissions and and new music being something that's kind of exhilarating but also really challenging for the orchestra because the world premieres don't have any mm-hmm. precedent so no. how is it with the opera i'd have to imagine that opening a score for example for the cello concerto we premiered earlier mm-hmm. this year is, is one thing but knowing that it's going to be an opera might might have different uh, considerations it's definitely different because I think those first readings you know you're just a part of the picture and you're so the first thing that you're going for is there's this real curiosity you can't wait to have the singers there because you know it's built around that so in a way it's kind of like being doing an extras rehearsal for gladiator or something <laughs> you feel like we know we're important we're sure we're important but gosh i really can't wait to, to see what's happening when the singers are there can i and, can i just mention that you guys may not know this you know merwin was in the avengers movie Right. Oh, no. He was one of the string quartet that plays, and when okay. I don't, oh, if you've no seen kidding. it, yes. when Loki yeah. comes in and like Absolutely. you know causes yeah. havoc. So, so Merwin has some experience with this being in running around it. with chaos. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there's it. It is, but I I think there is one of the things is that so many so many elements do need to come together, and I think that being part of the orchestra, you just have this peripheral sense that there's so many moving parts yeah. and that you know all of a sudden it's like oh wow this this aria is in a different key that that's great there must have been a really good reason for that <laughs> let's, fi- <laughs> let's fix that up <laughs> I think douglas has left the room now <laughs> he's still here it's okay. but it has to be different than than waiting for the the cello to show up and perform the solo line or waiting for the violin to show up and perform the violin part there, because you have you have you have lights and you have sets yeah. and you have well, that's dancing. And, yeah, yep. and I think, but I think that one of the most important things for an orchestra musician in a pit is to not be distracted by all of those things. Yeah. <laughs> that's so why they we, put you in the back. We learn right? really quickly to have this sort of like you know twofold focus one eye on the conductor one mm-hmm. eye on the score and that's you know you you try to ignore the fact that the composer who you now know as a contract attorney is like six feet behind you <laughs> taking copious notes <laughs> it's, it's, you really want to know you want to just stay focused so if so you hear something you don't like do you shout objection and <laughs> uh, uh, not not those are not the words i use <laughs> Hey, what do they say in the UK? Uh, they say many things, but um, probably most of them aren't good for air. <laughs> That's all right. I do have a little beef here I can use. <laughs> let, let's get on some more serious ground here, because this is an opera that deals with a very important message, and it deals with 
uh, Martin Luther King Jr. And, and we haven't said it yet, but this is coming about at the 50th anniversary of his assassination, almost to the very day, right, mm-hmm. that this is happening. And can you talk a little bit, Doug, about your hopes for this opera and what you want people to take away from it and, and the message that you think is important that we're that so many moving parts are coming together to create this experience? What would you say? Um, th- th- this is tries to tell such a serious story um Mm. i was watching a a documentary on television last night and it reminded me how serious um the the 1950s and 1960s were in this country and and the issues that the country faced at the time um and yes we've i say we i haven't been here that long america has come away a long way since then um but but there are still issues Mm -hmm. um and and the the thing I've tried to focus on in this piece is one aspect of of what became known as the civil rights movement. There were many other aspects. There were more violent aspects. Um, uh, but but that Dr. King um, followed a, a path of nonviolence is the most amazing thing to me, and that's the story I've tried to tell. Um, I, I've tried to call that love um, because that's a word and a concept that I think we can get our minds around and and. And and the thought of, of not retaliating, of, of putting yourself willingly in, in harm's way in order that other people's lives may be better. And, and I was looking at one of the the, the pledge cards that people who, who participated in the movement uh, had to sign before they were able to march. Mm-hmm. This, this, this stuff is astonishing. Um, and, and even watching um, some of that documentary last night, people who were whether they were freedom riders or, or people who were otherwise participating in marches, adults and, and young people who were who were willingly risking their lives for what they believed in. They'd signed wills. They'd, they'd given wills in sealed envelopes to people before they'd gone on the buses, before they started marches, saying that if in the event that I don't come back, mail this to someone. That That is astonishing stuff. Yeah. And, 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 and I, I, sometimes it's easy to become a little blunt to history because it's presented to us in the same way. Through, through school curricula and through, through television programs and documentaries, a lot of them in black and white. And I'm hoping in some way to, to, to just get to people's hearts past their minds through this piece mm-hmm. um, and to reawaken or to, or to cause them to think again or to look again um, at what they've known and, and recognizing also that there are many people who have no idea what happened. Right. Um, right. Or, or think they know what happened. Um, and, but most of all, to move people. And to raise awareness. Absolutely. At, at the very least, to raise awareness yeah. of the life of, of Dr. King. But, but t- terribly humbling to even even think of having tried to do this. Yeah. Do you, do you feel a great responsibility, a weight of responsibility in, in creating this piece? Uh, yes, but, but, but last night watching the documentary, a sense of how is it even possible mm. to encapsulate that in, in, in anything? Um, well, you know, you're, you're creating a work of art. It's sure. not a documentary. True. And, and your response to the story of, of uh, Dr. King, from what I have seen and heard, is more visceral, more inner. And, and in that sense, it can reach people in a way that is completely different from just laying out the facts. Absolutely. Right. Would you agree with that, Carl? Sure, sure. Um, this message that we're, that we're uh, attempting to portray is is a message that is a message of love it's a, a message that that i think is it has been overlooked 
to a certain extent. Um, uh, sort, sort of blunted, as Douglas said, uh, by what we've been instructed in history classrooms, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And I, I think that I dream focuses, Douglas has tried to focus on the aspect of how we are to, I mean, as corny as it may sound, uh, how we should respect and love and uh, each other. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think that's what he's trying to say in the, in the piece, and, and uh, I think he's done a good job at it. Yeah. Well, that message of love and respect, I mean, that's a perennial, you know, human pursuit. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and it takes many shapes and different forms. Yeah. Did you want to say something, Zach? I just wanted to ask why we're, why we're here. Why is, why is this Toledo, why is this Toledo Opera, why, why is this kicking off here? How did this happen to come to Toledo? Um, through uh, an introduction to James Mina, who is general director in in, mm-hmm. in Opera Carolina, who has a connection and uh, with with Toledo, and maybe is he artistic director? Mm-hmm. Um, and and he heard the concept recording, um, and and there are more rhythm and blues aspects, there are more operatic aspects, but he saw this as something that that, that should be happening um, in in opera houses. Uh, and and we we began in Grand Rapids um, with a, a concert performance, so no staging whatsoever, and just the rhythm section. But but it was it was his his sense that this was the place to begin it, mm. um, uh, and because the calendar se- uh, meant that it was possible to do it in close proximity to the actual fiftieth uh, anniversary of Fourth April, nineteen sixty eight. So that, that that's why I think you know you mentioned April fourth, and of course this podcast is airing on April fourth on the radio. So mm-hmm. just to put that out there, that uh, if you're listening to us on FM ninety one right now, this is today is the anniversary, the fiftieth anniversary of uh, Dr. King's assassination. A somber, sober event to be sure, but I think that your opera, Douglas, certainly has a, a lot of celebration in it as well. Yes, it does. Yeah. May I may I just say something um, about the instrumentation of the opera, or or what was represented on that particular example that you played, and and what was not represented in in terms of what's going to be on the stage. Um, there are moments in the piece where there are solo singers with orchestra, mm-hmm. uh, which will basically be what that that segment was that you played. Um, also involved is a, a rhythm and blues rhythm section, which will be actually three keyboards, a wow. pia- piano, two other keyboards, electronic keyboards, uh, guitar, uh, mostly electric guitar, some acoustic guitar, uh, bass, and, electric bass and, and drums. And uh, there's a chorus as well as uh, the uh, five, six principal singers. Yeah. Um, so it's a it's a full stage. It's a lot of fun, and uh, and there are moments where it's just rhythm section, mm-hmm. and some saxophones and horns and R and B and and uh, you know. Just don't forget the Hammond B three. Oh, uh, <laughs> right, and Hammond B threes, which I which I might just say when you ask me uh, about orchestration. 
the Hammond B three was a was a staple in churches. Yeah. In and in black churches. In well, the, when you think of gospel music and you think of you know the the, the typical uh, riffs on the organ and the singing, and uh, that's the Hammond. That organ, organ more often than not, yeah. is a B three or some derivative of a B three that was made by the Hammond Corporation. It was not possible to not have the Hammond B three in this. Well, Douglas, I think you chose the right man for the job. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> definitely. Well, we're we're running out of time, and there's so many other things that we could talk about, and we didn't get to listen to any more of the music. But yeah, the best alternative to that is to go listen to all of the music. The opera is opening on Friday evening, April sixth, seven thirty p.m. Also Saturday at seven thirty p.m. and Sunday at two o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, you can get your tickets at the Valentine Theater. Call up the box office, 419-255-SING. That's 419-255-7464. Or go online to ToledoOpera.org. Toledo Symphony Lab is generously underwritten by a gift from the estate of Barbara Garwood and is a production of WGTE Public Media in collaboration with our sponsor, the Toledo Symphony. You can download episodes of this program as a podcast by going to our website at wgte.org slash lab or subscribing to us on Apple Podcasts. My thanks to our regular panelists, Zach Vassar and Merwin Sue, and also special thanks to our guests today, composer and librettist Douglas Tappan and orchestrator and musical director Carl Marsh, again, the uh, artistic team behind the new opera I Dream, which is premiering in Toledo this weekend. I'm Brad Cresswell, and you've been listening to Toledo Symphony Lab here on FM 91.